the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Worship in the scripture primarily means pledging allegiance. Whether you sing or dance or shout or whether you sit quietly, whether you worship in any possible way, true worship expresses awe. It expresses respect and adoration and gratitude. And most of all, it expresses submission. When we worship, we surrender to Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. When we worship, we surrender to Jesus Christ. And that means we live out our identity as his followers. We actively avoid and we resist evil. We embrace and restore and create justice and peace. Not only in our fellowship and in our families, but in our world. We live wisely, making the most of every opportunity, as Paul said. And this includes praising God. This vision, this idea of all these things that we just said, all the things we've been walking through in the last several weeks, this includes worship. And worship has two purposes, as you'll see today so very clearly. It's praising God and also encouraging God's people. We do this through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That exact list, those three words, appear at least twice together in the New Testament. The idea of them is threaded throughout the scriptures. Psalms, from the Greek word psalmois, it means psalms, the psalms, the book of psalms, the, the holy, the most holy, most inspired songs of worship that we have. Hymns, which is translated from hymn noise, uh, that means sacred songs. These are songs like our hymns and many modern choruses that are written to help us speak out and remember and celebrate what is true, almost like a creed or a doctrinal statement set to music. And then we have spiritual songs. And those are, it's everything that spirit means in the scripture. Sometimes spirit means the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it means our spirit, the, our, our eternal soul. Sometimes it means from the, everything that makes us human. Sometimes it's the mystery of the person of God or how all of us can connect in different ways as bigger than our bodies and our minds and our strength and our physical reality. It's all of those things. And when we express our love and our joy and how we're experiencing God and his truth, Those songs, whether they're old songs or new songs, those are the songs of the Spirit. Again, there's two places where Paul says the whole picture and includes worship as this, using those three phrases and saying specifically that that is part of the picture. Let's look at both of those together. The first one is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 20. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The other passage is Colossians 3 verses 15 to 17. Paul writes, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I hope that's very familiar. If not, you should go back and listen to the peace that passes understanding two-part message that we spoke the last time we had to lock down. Similarly, still applies. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. 
Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. That means live among us. It's, it's alive. The truth, the gospel, the good news about Jesus, it lives among us. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Second thing we know for sure about worship is that when we worship, we celebrate Jesus Christ. We celebrate who he is. We celebrate what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do. We celebrate everything about Jesus. We remember and honor and praise him as the Messiah, as the one who was promised and who was sent, who was crucified, but who rose from the dead, who humbled himself and is now glorified above everyone and every other authority there's ever been or ever will be. We pledge allegiance to the King of Kings. We prepare for his return in several specific ways. One of the happy 40 seasons that happened in the scriptures, and there are some of these, if you remember, we've talked about that. They're not always bad, 100% bad. Some of them are good. And one of the good ones is after Jesus came back to life, he spent 40 more days on this earth. And in that time, he... he explained everything he made it clear he translated everything that needed to be translated from the old testament to the new testament to everything he made it so clear to his followers and he made sure that they were empowered they were ready to go they were finally ready to put all the pieces together and become the apostles to become the ones who were sent out the ones who were getting ready to build his kingdom and in those 40 days, he prepared them for his return to heaven and for the coming of the Holy Spirit. At the end of those 40 days, we read this in Matthew chapter 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Pause there for a moment. Again, remember, we're not exactly sure what they did here to worship. We're not sure if they sang, if they kneeled, if they raised their hands, if they shouted. Uh, we're not sure exactly. What we know for sure is this is them pledging allegiance to him one more time. And sadly, we also see their humanity just like ours. Nobody is 100% perfect except Jesus himself. And even in this moment, even after those 40 days, even after they'd seen him come back to life, even in this moment, a few are doubting. But then Jesus came to them and he said, and you know this part, this is the great commission. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all the things that I have commanded you. And I will be with you always to the end of the age. And then he was taken up from them. That's when the angels told him he's going to return just like he left in a physical, visible way. You'll be able to tell when he comes back. 
And in the meantime, we've got to get ready. In the meantime, we've got to accomplish all those things. We've got to make disciples and baptize and teach people to obey all the things he's commanded. We've got to reach more people, make disciples who make disciples. We've got to practice the presence of Christ to experience this thing that he's promised that he's still there for us. We've got to do all of that together. And part of that is all of those jobs and part of that an inescapable inseparable part of that picture is worship if you want to know more about the specifics if i know some of you are going to go whatever there's some hebrew words whatever i, I get it I, I learned all i need to know this morning and that's okay uh, but but some of you might be more interested in this if you're more interested in the things i'm about to say i recommend an article by rick kirkpatrick on sharefaith.com and you can, you can find that really easily. It's a summary of several of these things and actually quite a bit more. There are also countless books that outline all the stuff I'm about to share briefly and much more about the Hebrew stuff about worship. But this applies to us today. This is part of those psalms and those sacred songs that Paul is writing about. So here's the plan. I'm going to talk about briefly introduce a Hebrew word and then we're going to read a verse that it uses that word so we understand it a little bit better. And then even though this is over the internet, even though this is kind of a little bit crazy, I'm going to invite you to participate, to try that thing out. And we're going to do that through several of these key ways that the, the people of God are called to worship God. So the first one is halal. Halal simply means get loud and proud. You can translate it boast foolishly or make a show. A good picture of this would be where King David danced before God and his wife said, oh, how dignified you look today and made fun of him. But God judged her for that more than judging David for getting crazy. Halal means you are not concerned about the people around you. You're going nuts. You're so passionate about praising God. Psalm 35, 18 is an example. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. Among the throngs, I will praise you. That's the word halal. I will go crazy in the midst of everybody else. I'd like you to try this even at home, okay? I want you to shout these words. Jesus is king. And I want you to get loud and proud. Let's try it. Ready? Jesus is king. I'd like to say good job. I hope it was. I can't see you right now, but there we go. Let's keep going. The second one is tehillah. Tehillah means to sing and to shout or simply to make your praise vocal. You say it out loud. God hears our thoughts. He hears our feelings. He knows our minds. But he, he loves to hear us say and sing our praise out loud. Tehillah means that. And Psalm 66 too, it, where we just see, it just says praise in the, in the English translations, that is Tehillah. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. In other words, when we sing, we make it glorious. When we speak out the truth, when we speak out our praise to God, we make it glorious. Would you sing this simple song with me? I mentioned it last week, but let's sing it to God right now. Jesus loves me. Ready? Jesus loves me. This I know. Sing it out. Make it glorious. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. 
Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. The next one is one of my favorites because I love to play instruments. Lamar means to play instruments. Uh, here's an example from scripture. Psalm 108.1 says, My heart, O God, is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Make music is Lamar. I will sing and play instruments with all my soul. Every part of me is worship. Maybe some of you play instruments. Maybe after you're done today, you can actually just play some music and think about God and worship him that way. But at least you've got these. You've got hands. So even though I won't be able to hear you right now, would you give God a clap offering? Would you use, let these be the instruments that we use to clap for God? It's kind of disheartening to do it all by myself right there, but I hope you're joining in. I hope you're worshiping him. But that's what that means. And if you ever had doubts, if anybody's ever asked you, does God really like instrumental worship? Yes, he does. We move on. One more big one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah is one of the few words that we have translated across almost every language. Uh, people just say it out loud, but it's a Hebrew phrase and it means praise the Lord. It's, it's you mixed with halal, get loud and proud, and Yah, which is short for Yahweh, the name of God. So it basically means praise the Lord. And often in the Psalms and other places in the scripture, in the original language it says hallelujah, sometimes they translate it hallelujah for some reason and sometimes they translate it praise the Lord here's one of those not to us not to us but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness I'm reading from Psalm 115 verse 1 and verse 16 to 18 by the way again for clarity and simplicity all of these are from the NIV today not to us Lord not to us but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. Once again, we see that partnership with God and people, the responsibility that he's given us, not just to praise him, not just to remember him, but to build his kingdom on earth. And those of us who are alive right now, those of us who live today, whatever moment today is, right this minute, today, and tomorrow will be today. Yesterday was today then whoever is alive today that's our job you see that here it is not the dead who praise the lord he's not talking about the afterlife here he's talking about this life it is not the dead who praise the lord those who go down to the place of silence it is we who extol the lord both now and forevermore praise the lord literally right there it says in the original text hallelujah would you say that out loud with me right now would you just say Hallelujah. But this time, say it to the people around you first, and then we'll say it to God. Because it's a call to worship. Praise the Lord. We're going to say praise the Lord to each other, and then praise the Lord to God, as in just praise the Lord. All right, here we go. Ready? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's how it works. I'm sorry, I said that was last long, and I was wrong. There's two more, and they go together. One is Yoda, the other is Saba. Both of them mean, get those hands up. If you've been to a concert or, or some other places where people go, whoo, let's go crazy right now. You get your hands up. But there's an extra meaning there. Yoda especially means throw those hands up, but it's in praise and it's in surrender to God. 
It's so, somewhere between just a, you just go crazy at a concert or a, a ball game or something, or when somebody puts a gun up at you and you say, I, I, I got it, my hands are up. It's, it's somewhere in there, but it's an act of surrender. The other one, sama, is more about affection, more about experience. It's like a child reaching up to their parent and saying, hold me for a moment, and experiencing their love even before they embrace them. It's, it, that is what sabah is about. Psalm 42.5 says, Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This word in the original is Yoda. It is, I will yet lift my hands up to him. I will yet praise him and surrender no matter what. I believe sabah also applies here. When we do that, I know this from other scriptures and I know it from personal experience. When we do that, especially when we do that in the 40 seasons, in the 40 times, when it doesn't feel like it, when it doesn't look like God's blessing us at all, especially then when we praise and surrender him, that is when we feel his presence. Finally, when we worship, we connect with God and with others. When we worship, we connect with God and with others. And that means not only do we do all of these things and we experience them together as well as in our own hearts, but also we do all the things we've been walking through these last several weeks. When we really worship God, we really connect with him. And that means we pray and we hope in every sense of that word. We prophesy, we speak his truth, and we know it's true, and we celebrate it, and we live it out as we say it. We speak the truth in love, and we speak it to our own hearts, and to the people around us, and to the lost around us. We speak it to God. We speak that out. We speak his message, and we let it dwell among us. We focus on peace. We, we know that this is his vision. We know this is what he wants. And so we focus on it. And that focus is what makes it happen. And we live in love. We actually live out the way he told us to love each other. The mercy, the forgiveness, the grace, the hard work, the relentless trying to trust, trying to hope, protecting and all the other things that go along with persevering and living in love. We do all of that. We do this separately. We do it together. And then we work together to invite other people into our fellowship. When we do all of these things, and all of those are inseparable from the corporate worship, from the joining together of saying and singing these prayers, these psalms, these hymns, these spiritual songs, of giving of taking communion, of going through God's word with the expectation that he's going to tell us something that's going to change us somehow. All of the things that we commit to doing together, that is inseparable from actually living them out. If you're living them out, but you're not celebrating it and prioritizing it and doing it and singing it together, something's wrong. If you're singing it and doing it, going through the motions together, but you're not living it, something's wrong. The vision is we connect, we really connect with God and with others. We actually make a difference in the world when we worship this way. Paul writes in Romans 12, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. 
This is your true and proper worship. Notice by his body, by our bodies, what he's talking about is every part of us. It's our heart, it's our soul, it's our mind, it's our strength. It's what we do together, what we do alone. It's, it's what we do to reach out. It's all of it. And when we do this, that's when this next part makes sense. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is not only what we're asking for right now. What we spent these 40 days that will wrap up very soon. What, what we're, it's what we're asking for and it's also how we'll get it. It's when we allow God to transform us by renewing our minds. And how do we do that? By living it out every day and celebrating it together. By saying it and singing it privately and together. By reading it, by celebrating it with food and by giving in all the ways that we celebrate it, we do it and we make it happen out in the world. Jesus himself said in John chapter 4, verses 23 to 24, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. In the Spirit, again, uh, whenever you see that in Scripture, it's usually talking about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, but it's also talking about how He connects with us on a spiritual level. Our spirits connect with His Spirit. It's real. And when you see truth, it's truths, it's the things that are true because we know they're true because Jesus or someone else in His Word said it. But it's also Jesus Christ Himself, the truth, the way, the truth, the life. So when we worship in the Spirit and we worship in truth, which is all of the stuff we've been talking about for all of these weeks and the corporate and individual worship we're talking about today, when we do that, we are finally connecting with God in the way that He wants us to do. And that is what empowers us to live every day, li living out these things, spreading it out, sharing it with the world. We recently learned from Andrew Peterson that Isaac Watts original, originally wrote the song Joy to the World. Not about Christmas, but about Christ's next advent, his second coming. It's appropriate to use it both ways because both of his advents, both of his comings are fulfillment of promises and fulfillment of his being established as king. But it's times like these, times when everything is crazy, when we look forward more than ever to what is coming. Today we had hoped to have a really big, boisterous, in-person thing. That's not going to be able to happen, but I invite you. We're going to sing a little bit extra, more than just one song at the very end. And we're going to worship, and we're going to sing, and we're going to proclaim God's joy to the world. We're going to sing about His second coming as well as His first coming. We're going to worship together and I invite you to do that and before that I'd like you to say this out loud whether you're alone whether with your family I don't care say it out loud Lord I will worship in the spirit and in truth you say that one more time I need you to mean it know what it means 
Remember, it means all of these things that we've said. We're living it out and we're doing it together. Lord, I will worship in the spirit and in truth. Let's worship together. The number 40 appears over 100 times in scripture, and it almost always relates to a time of trial and testing. The flood took 40 days and nights. The Israelites wandered for 40 years. Even Jesus took 40 days to establish himself after he was baptized. In the Bible, 40 represents struggle, self-examination, and transition. But it always ends in some kind of new life, growth, or beginning. In light of everything going on in the world, it has become clear to us that we are in such a season right now. So as this year comes to a close, let's take this time of struggle seriously. Examine yourself. Allow God to shape your heart. These 40 days will be over before you know it, and we can't wait to see what God does next. Thank you.